Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm your host, Victoria Horn. On this month's episode, we are talking books about school days. Yes, folks, the time has come here in America when most students don their backpacks for the first time in months and enter a whole new year of assigned seating, questionable school lunches, torturous group projects, and awkward peer interactions. But I couldn't possibly cover this topic without some help from every young patron's favorite Odell librarian. You know her, you love her, and if you don't know her, you will love her by the end of the episode. It's Miss Katie Ryder. Stop. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so Katie is Odell's youth programming and marketing coordinator. She joined Odell in 2013, and she is our resident expert in children's literature, a master of puns, <laughs> and an absolute dreamboat when it comes to cultivating a beautiful library experience for the youth of Morrison. And I just found out that next year will be your 10th year at Odell. So Katie, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your job entails? So yes, I've been here almost 10 years, Ooh. and I feel like... I'm finally in a good place where I am, and I came in really green, and it was a lot of learning on my feet. I'd taken a couple of children's literature courses during my master's program, and then I had a child, and I got to do a lot of reading of children's literature and kind of fell in love with it, so it is definitely my favorite area of the library, and honestly, almost all I get to read right now, although I have been taking <laughs> some of Victoria's suggestions yes. and plowing through some older audience books. But I'm excited to share some of my favorite going back to school books, and there are many of them. Mm-hmm. And let's see, what else do I do at the library? I do a lot of the programming. I'm always happy to work with the kiddos. Story time will be coming back. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And I'm just excited to see more families popping into the library again. So between Katie's fantastic taste in books for young readers and my refusal to acknowledge that the young adult genre no longer applies to me, we are ready to school you with a delectable selection of books for a broad spectrum of readers. Stay with us. But first, we have several exciting announcements that you won't want to miss. So first off, get out your calendars and save the date for the Odell Public Library Friends Mini Book and Bake Sale from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday, November 5th in the Odell Program Room. So the Friends will be selling gently used books and fresh baked goodies. Due to construction and space limitations, This year's sale will be smaller than usual, but you can still expect the same excellent selection of hardcover and paperback books for all ages and some tasty treats to boot. So if you would like to donate your books for the sale, the friends are asking that donations be limited to books published in the last five years and no more than two boxes. Storytime is also making its triumphant return. Yeah. You can join me, Miss Katie, for Story Songs and Rhymes each Thursday evening from 7 to 7.30, beginning October 6th. 
Storytime is a free drop-in program designed especially for preschoolers, but open to all. So if you enjoy stories, come on in. Feel free to come a little early to explore the play kitchen or come in your jammies and get ready to snuggle up for some stories. Katie also does the Lego Club. Would you like to talk a little bit about what that is? So after two long years, I know this was a big loss for some of our builders. We'd been closed for COVID, but we are coming back this October. So October 1st, we do the first Saturday of every month. This is an all ages and abilities club. So we don't mind if you are two 22. We have a lot of parents and caregivers who love to pop in and build with their kiddos. We meet from 10 a.m. to noon on the first Saturday of each month. We have all the bricks you need, so you don't need to bring anything with you. You use our extensive brick collection, and you can either follow our monthly theme to build, or you are always welcome to free build. This is another free drop-in program. It's relaxed, so you can come for a little while or stay the whole time. We also provide larger building blocks like Duplo and Mega Block. It is always exciting to see what you come up with and always excited to hear the story behind the build. So join us for that. We're really excited to have that program back. Just a reminder that we will be closed this Saturday, September 17th to allow for staff and patrons to celebrate Morrison's Paint the Town and Harvest Hammer events. So another update on our roof. The project is almost finished, but unfortunately they needed to order more metal to complete the project. So the estimated arrival for that is mid-October, and we are eagerly anticipating the end of this much-needed essential upgrade. We also want to remind families that we have a play kitchen and puppet theater located behind the chimney in the children's area. It is a great experience for our youngest patrons to come back and practice sorting and pretend play, word recognition. There are just so many things that they are learning through play. So stop in. We ask that a caregiver stay with the kiddos while they're playing. Come explore, play, and learn at Odell. So it's been a while since we've gone over some of the resources you have at your disposal through Odell. Probably the most exciting change is that we are now able to offer free library cards for kids. We are very excited about this. It's been a long time coming. So this happened due in part to a change in Illinois legislation that was then approved by the Odell Public Library Board. We are now able to offer library cards at no charge to any child under the age of 18. So this change really does a lot in terms of accessibility, particularly for our young patrons who live outside the city limits. Odell's policy typically was that if you are a rural patron, you need to pay a rural fee. That means $55 per year. It is good for the whole household. And that happens because everyone who lives in town pays taxes that go to fund the city library. And if you live outside of Morrison, the city limits, we charge a rural fee for that. But often it's not the child's decision whether or not they can get a library card. So now that that legislation has passed, all kids can have a library card. They don't have to 
prove a need for one, and we have seen a generous uptick in new library cards. Yeah. We're so excited to have so many new patrons. And you can now meet with a representative from Whiteside County Senior Center here at Odell. We have a person coming who can help you or your loved ones with benefit access, Medicaid Part D comparisons and enrollment, Social Security extra help, COVID vaccine appointments, senior homestead exemptions, and much more. So all you have to do is call 888-622-9230 to set up and confirm a meeting here at Odell. Next is one of my favorite resources that we have. We have passes available for checkout to both Nyabi Zoo and Putnam Museum. Those passes are available on a first-come, first-served basis. You can always give us a call before you come in to see if they're available. Those check out for a few days. Everything is included. When you go to the zoo, the parking is included. Putnam, you can have two adults and four children. And don't forget that you do have access to the Libby app, so you can borrow ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more. All you need is a valid Odell library card. You can access Libby on almost any device. Just download the Libby app, find Odell Public Library, and sign in with the barcode on the front of your card. As always, it's time to go over our book order for the month of September. And unfortunately, due to a malware attack on our primary book distributor, Baker & Taylor, there may be significant delays with the September book order. They're working diligently to remedy the issues, and we were able to put in our order and have received a couple of items already. So we're hopeful that we will receive our complete order soon. So thank you for your patience. But if you want to ensure that you get your hands on one of our newest titles when it comes in, you can always adopt a book here at Odell. So for $15, you will have first read of your title and the option to include a nameplate on the inside cover with your name or that of a loved one. So in adult nonfiction, we have new titles from Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill O'Reilly, Kelly Ripa, and Michelle Zauner. And I am super excited that we are getting bread song how baking changed our lives by kitty and al tate so this is sort of a mashup between a cookbook and a memoir and just a little bit about it from the goodreads website kitty tate grew up a funny chatty redhead who made everyone in her family laugh but around the time she turned 14 kitty began experiencing anxiety slowly she disconnected from everyone around her and struggled to wake up get dressed and leave the house then one day, as Kitty stood on a stool watching her dad mix flour, water, and salt, she determined Al's gloopy, sludgy blob of bread looked a whole lot like her brain. Al asked Kitty if she'd like to try baking bread herself, and their lives were never the same again. One loaf quickly escalated into an obsession, and Kitty felt better than she had for a long time. Within nine months, Kitty and Al opened the Orange Bakery, and they haven't stopped since. Bread Song is a celebration of bread and baking, and an inspiring story of the life-saving power of discovering a passion. So my dad actually recommended that title, so you'll have to fight him for the first read of that one. And in adult fiction, we're going to have lots of happy fans because we have so many titles from super popular best-selling authors. C.J. Box, Jenny Colgan, John Connolly, Vince Flynn, Iris Johansson, Craig Johnson, Stephen King, Beverly Lewis, 
Alexander McCall Smith, Ian McEwen, Fern Michaels, Julie Murphy, James Patterson, Ann Perry, J.D. Robb, Nicholas Sparks, and Elizabeth Strout. And in young adult fiction, we are finally catching up with the world and have ordered Heartstopper graphic novels one through four. So you may have seen that produced on Netflix already, but great series. We'll talk more about that later. With junior fiction, we have a new Babysitter's Club graphic novel that I'm sure won't stay on the shelf. We have One Star's Confession from the Warriors series by Aaron Hunter. A new Big Nate book, Release the Hounds, by Lincoln Pierce. And new easy fiction, Goodnight Butterfly, by Ross Barak. And I'm just going to say that I got to order this through the Scholastic Book Club a little earlier. It just was published to the public recently, and it's hilarious. Mm. There are three books in this Butterfly series, and every one is a home run for me. Oh, they're so good. So (laughs) they are hilarious, but they're also quasi-educational. So if you have someone who is interested in the life cycle of a butterfly, this will educate them about that in one of the most enjoyable ways that I've experienced. (laughs) We also have Little Blue Truck Makes a Friend by Alice Shirtle. We have lots of fans of the Little Blue Truck series. The Good Little Wolf by Janet Stevens. And, drumroll, a new pigeon book. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we haven't had a pigeon book in quite a while. I think the last one that came out was actually about school. Yeah. I've been waiting. And Mo Willems is a national treasure and his latest pick is The Pigeon Will Ride the Roller Coaster. So can't wait for that one to come in. So you can put holds on any of our new titles by going to the Prairie Cat app or website. And of course, you can always give us a call or stop by in person to have us request books for you or walk you through the process. And once again, it is another month of the year in which we will check in on Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. The Read Harder Challenge is a yearly list of 24 tasks compiled by Book Riot. And the goal of participating in these tasks is to challenge yourself to explore settings, characters, formats, genres, and perspectives that you might not otherwise have read before. So you can find the list on bookriot.com or I will put the link in the description of the podcast. So this month, I'll be tackling two new challenges. Challenge number two, read a book set in a bookstore. And I've been meaning to check out The Lost for Words Bookstore by Stephanie Butland. And that was recommended by good friend and rock star here at the library, Melissa Nybor. So I would like to check it out and tell her what I think. Give it to her straight. (laughs) And I've actually, for once, completed a challenge before we recorded the podcast. Where's the applause button? A round of applause for me. (laughs) (laughs) So challenge number four is read a book in any genre by a person of color that's about joy and not trauma. I recently read She Gets the Girl by Rachel Lippincott and Allison Derrick. And they're actually married to each other. It was just the cutest 
rom-com like enemies to friends to maybe lovers who knows so yeah i highly recommend you check that one out it is a quick delicious read yum yum Okay, we're on to the meat of the episode. And potatoes. (laughs) The the main course. I've been talking a lot, so Katie, why don't you go first? (laughs) Okay, so books about school days. I kind of stuck to the easy and junior fiction section of the library because that's my jam. And there are so, so many books about going back to school and kind of easing kids' fears and anxieties about starting school, either for the first time or even just at the beginning of a school year. It can be a really tumultuous time for kids and teachers, too, I know now as an adult. It's the start of a whole new adventure. So I could talk all day about (laughs) the books in the easy section, particularly. So these are for our youngest readers. They're all picture books. A newer one that I can recommend is called All Are Welcome by Alexandra Penfold and Suzanne Kaufman. It's from 2018, and actually that duo has kind of turned this into a series. There's one called Big Feelings that came out last year, and a brand new one I think is in processing called All Our Neighbors. And what makes these books so enjoyable to me is the illustrations are bright and diverse and just so colorful. I usually end up reading like all of the children's books that I'm processing and I was particularly impressed with all our neighbors. It's amazing. The illustrations are just fantastic. I was literally thinking there shouldn't be a single kid who couldn't find themselves in this book. All of the books really focus on belonging finding a safe space to be and to express yourself. They talk about how we should treat each other. They acknowledge the differences that we see and experience and celebrate them. So it kind of presents an ideal situation that your child will go into a classroom with lots of different students, lots of different experiences coming into that conversation but all being respectful and joyful together. So just beautiful books, and Odell has all of those. One of my favorite starting school books is in Anna Dudney, the Llama Llama series. It's Llama Llama Mrs. Mama, and this is perfect for your three- and four-year-olds who are heading to preschool. They are little people with the biggest feelings in the world, And it can feel really overwhelming to walk into a classroom and have your grown-up walk out. Mm -hmm. So this talks about those nerves that they might be feeling and the sadness and fear that they might feel when you leave them alone in a room. But it also works through that and ends on a really positive note where Llama Llama gets to make new friends and have snacks and (laughs) build things. And it's not without drama, but it's wonderful. And it shows kids that they can work through it and 
they get to go home at the end of the day. Kind of one of those messages where, don't worry, you're going to see your grown up again. I love Anna Dudney. She's one of my favorites. She does such a great job putting rhythm in her text. It just Mm -hmm. flows so nicely. And the illustrations are warm and caring. So I would highly recommend Llama Llama Mrs. Mama or any of the original Anna Dudney series. Unfortunately, that author passed away and books are still coming out under her name. But I, I like the classics. So where Katie usually lives in Easy and Junior Land, I tend to cozy up in the YA section, our young adult fiction. And I recently read a book by Casey McQuiston. It's called I Kissed Shara Wheeler. And it is one of my favorite books now, like of all time. (laughs) So this novel follows high school senior Chloe Green on a quest to find where Shara Wheeler disappeared to after she kisses Chloe and vanishes. So Chloe has spent four back-breaking years at Willow Grove Christian Academy dueling it out with Shara to win valedictorian of their graduating class. But without Shara there to lord her victory over, Chloe feels this achievement will all be for nothing. So Chloe reluctantly teams up with the other two Shara kissed. Rory, the bad boy next door who has pined after Shara for years, and Smith, Willow Grove's perfect quarterback and Shara's longtime high school sweetheart. And I know these sound like caricatures of the typical high school characters that you see, but I promise they are not at all what they appear. So as Chloe, Rory, and Smith follow this trail of pink envelopes Shara left behind with letters in cryptic notes, their unexpected motives for finding Shara, perspectives on high school, and relationships with Shara, their peers, and each other come to light, especially as the author punctuates each chapter with scrapbook-style homework assignments, essays, and notes passed in class between characters. So what I love so much about this book is how authentic the characters feel, even considering the more outlandish parts of the story, because yes, as in any good mystery novel, air ducts are involved. (laughs) So these characters just felt like old friends from the second I opened this book. I literally laughed out loud so many times alone in my bedroom like a maniac, and I bawled like a baby through the last 20 pages. And then I just immediately wanted to start it all over again. So I Kiss Shara Wheeler is a book I will be thinking about for a long time. Back to you, Katie, in the children's section. Back to the children's (laughs) section. I have Pete the Cat rocking in my school shoes. This is a mix. They're looking forward to school, but maybe a little bit nervous. And I know lots of our little ones know Pete the Cat already. So Mm -hmm. that can be kind of comforting to read a book featuring your favorite character. This is one of the original Pete the Cats written by Eric Litwin and illustrated by James Dean. Again, I kind of favor those original books. There are many, many, many more Pete the Cat books. But for me, they just don't have the same edge as the original four or five that came out with this duo. So I like this Pete the Cat book because 
in True Pete's style. It is very laid back and relaxed, and everything is all good. Plus, you get to sing along. So he's always rocking in his school shoes. And I think kids just love to sing and they love to be animated and I think we as adults sometimes balk at that and it's a good book for parents and caregivers to read to practice letting down your guard and be silly and get your kids excited about reading this book and excited about going back to school. I love that. I find myself doing that more especially when we're together but... (laughs) (laughs) reading some of the children's lit has really helped me access that childlike part that does want to just do whatever and who cares what anyone else thinks you know well and I think we go from being kids and once you get to adult you don't want to like regress and be considered a kid for a long time anymore like that's something you're actively trying to avoid is appearing kid-like, but Mm -hmm. then you have your own kids and it's a really important part of Mm. parenting is being silly and being fun and showing them how to express themselves with different voices. And it takes some practice to get over being self-conscious about yourself, but kids don't care if you're a bad singer. Kids don't care if you read slowly or if you don't know how to pronounce a word. They really don't. They just want to be read to and with and to be with you. So get silly with them and read some goofy books. There are so many, so many, many out there. Another one that's really popular right now, it's been out for a few years. It's called We Don't Eat Our Classmates, and it's by Ryan T. Higgins. And We Don't Eat Our Classmates is a book featuring a tiny Tyrannosaurus Rex who goes to his classroom the first day and is horrified to discover that all his classmates are children. And so he really has to show some restraint because he keeps... (laughs) trying to eat his classmates and his classmates are a little put out by this (laughs) and so they're covered in drool and they're spat out day after day and they start to put some distance between themselves and this t-rex and it is it is a hard lesson and so he has to work on some self-control And his friends do give him a second chance, but he has to learn how to be a good friend, which is what human children have to do, too. So it's a good book about the things that can go wrong at school, but also some solutions. And it's funny, so kids like when he (laughs) eats his classmates. So I can't remember if I have already recommended this book on the podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if I had, but I absolutely could not do a podcast about books set during school without talking about Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. So this book is so incredibly special to me. I'll read a little bit about it from the Goodreads profile just so you have an idea of what it's about. Kath is a Simon Snow fan. Okay, the whole world is a Simon Snow fan. But for Kath, being a fan is her life, and she's really good at it. She and her twin, Wren, ensconced themselves in the Simon Snow series when they were just kids. It's what got them through their mother leaving. Kath's sister has mostly grown away from fandom, but Kath can't let go. 
she doesn't want to. Now that they're going to college, Ren has told Kath that she doesn't want to be roommates. Kath is on her own, completely outside of her comfort zone. She's got a surly roommate with a charming, always-around boyfriend, a fiction-writing professor who thinks fanfiction is the end of the civilized world, and she can't stop worrying about her dad, who's loving and fragile and has never really been alone. For Kath, the question is, can she make it without Ren holding her hand? Is she ready to start living her own life? And does she even want to move on if it means leaving Simon Snow behind? So when Fangirl was published on September 10th, 2013, I was 18 years old, starting my second month as a college freshman. And many of you will know that I have an identical twin sister, Savannah, and she is my absolute best friend in the universe, and she always has been. But by the time we were 18, we were both kind of fed up with being seen as a unit, rather than as two interesting individuals who just happened to be twins. So together we came to the decision that attending different colleges was the first step toward leaving behind that perception of the quote-unquote horn twins. And that was shocking for a lot of people who knew us growing up, but it was the necessary break that helped us discover who we are on our own. And I think it's only strengthened our relationship over the years. But at the time, I'd lived my whole life with Sav always right by my side. And so it was incredibly painful to face college life without her. And then Fangirl came out. A story about a magic-loving, fanfiction-writing, introverted twin majoring in writing who was struggling her way through college for the first time. And the number of parallels between Kath and I just felt like kismet. I was also dealing with life away from my twin, although I'm lucky that my separation was nothing like Kath's, where her twin just pushes her away pretty hardcore. <laughs> but I also had a tough living situation with my freshman year roommate, and I was worried about the professors and other writing majors thinking my interest in writing young adult romance was cringy and beneath them. And, yes, I will admit it, I wrote fan fiction growing up as well about Harry Potter, which, no surprise, is the inspiration for Simon Snow. So there are significant differences in Kath's life and mine, especially when it comes to her parents, but the parallels still blow me away to this day. Here was this character who was voicing all the things that I was feeling, who shared so many of my passions, and who was doing her best to figure out how to make her new life feel normal. And it was like reading about my life as it was happening to me. Now that I think about it, it honestly felt like Rainbow Roll was writing fan fiction about my life. And as tumultuous as that first year of college was for me, it was so comforting to know that someone understood to the extent that they could produce a book that literally felt like it was written for me. So I could not recommend this book more, especially for twins and people who may be struggling to separate themselves from someone else's identity. I think it'll be as comforting to you as it was to me. I creeped on your sister's <laughs> Facebook page today. You did? And there are so many pictures of the two of you. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. <laughs> and, I mean, like really, out of like the 30 pictures that I creeped on... Probably 25 were the two of you. Mm -hmm. And I know you talk about your twin, <laughs> but seeing it through the years and you guys are like you share a soul. Like, yeah, yeah 
You're really close. And in a way that I don't think ordinary siblings that have space between them can really understand. I mean, the fact that you're saying that makes it okay. If I were to say that, it would be like, (laughs) no one loves their sibling as much as I love mine. (laughs) No, but really in the way that you can communicate it, because you're both like artists and writers and you say things beautifully. Oh, thank you. There are a couple more that I'll just mention that I won't go into depth on because, again, Katie I, can talk about this I could do this day. for a long time. I'm here for it. <laughs> if you like the type, like all are welcome, that kind of feel, there's one called The Day You Begin by Jacqueline Woodson, illustrated by Rafael Lopez. And it, again, is just a gorgeously illustrated book. Great for anybody who's feeling anxious about starting school, but also just anybody who is anxious about starting anything new in their life. So I love that one. Another one is a classic by Kevin Henkes called Chrysanthemum. And this is the story of a little mouse who loves her name. Her parents named her Chrysanthemum, and it's beautiful to say. And she flounces around, and then she gets to school and the kids make fun of her. Especially Victoria. <laughs> Especially Victoria. Those Victorias. I apologize I to all the chrysanthemums in the world. So I would never do that just to takes, takes the wind out of her sails. She goes home just crestfallen and defeated. She wants to change her name to something that won't attract the ire of her friends. And her parents explain that it's a unique name. She goes to school again. And the same thing happens until a very special teacher names her baby another flower name Mm -hmm. and celebrates Chrysanthemum's name and all the students kind of change their tune. So it opens up a conversation on how to treat people who either have a different name or look different and really helps open the door for some empathy with our little ones about how it would feel to be made fun of for something that you're proud of or something that belongs to you or something that you don't have control over and how you can be a good friend instead. Well, uh, I feel a bit weird going from your uh, last two suggestions to my next one, but... Well, I could, do you want me to do... Yeah, do a junior fiction one. Okay. And we can... I jumped into junior fiction, which I haven't read as often, but one that I loved growing up was classic Matilda by Roald Dahl. And thinking back on this book, it is strange how popular and well-loved this book is because there are some really wicked things happening in it. For me, this story is a story of school as both a place of solace and acceptance, but also a place for torture and fear. So if you don't know the story, briefly, Matilda Wormwood is this brilliant little girl who is born to the worst family. Literally, Her parents ignore her. Her dad 
steals cars, very underhanded. Her mom is vain and could not care less about her. She has a brother, but he just kind of floats through the story. So we have this little bright light in the world Mm -hmm. who visits the library, and that's kind of her happy place. She learns to read when she's three years old, and she keeps reading until she's read everything in the library. Her parents forget to sign her up for school, so she figures out how to do it. And at five and a half, she goes into school, and the teacher immediately recognizes that she has extraordinary talent. So this teacher, Miss Honey, sweet as honey, tries to get this girl put in an appropriate class. Matilda has never felt so loved and supported and appreciated until we meet Ms. Honey's aunt, mm-hmm. Agatha. Agatha. Trunchbull. And this is just a moose of a woman who could not hate children more. Mm-hmm. So the parts I remember from reading this as a child and there are three of them. There's a little girl with pigtails, and Trunchbull takes her by the pigtails, whirls her around like she's in a discus throwing competition, and hurls her over the fence. What happened there? <laughs> so, like, over the top terrorization of children. The other one that stuck out to me is this boy who. A kind of pilfer is a little bite of cake. Trunchbull catches him, and as punishment, he has to consume a giant cake within a certain time limit. But the one that sticks out the most to me, <laughs> and again, I wonder, I read this as a child, and I thought this was okay. Um, but they had something at the school called the chokey. Oh, my gosh. And the chokey was a closet lined with broken glass and nails and that was where you went if you misbehaved they put you in the chokey where you had to stand perfectly still so that you weren't lacerated Mm -hmm. (laughs) by this closet of doom (laughs) and this works for a number of books that I read as a child and now am starting to reread as my children come of the right age and it is incredible you're like how did I read how did I read this and freak out yeah (laughs) And I just, I went with it, but I think that's partly, I mean, it's still popular today because I think kids enjoy that level of storytelling where there's just a hint of truth. Like, yes, you do get sent to the principal's office, but at least you don't get sent to the jokey. (laughs) So what happens in this story is Matilda just has so much brain energy because she's in this lower level class that she doesn't belong to, that she develops the ability to move things with her mind. And that's eventually, without spoiling too much, how she finds a way to restore peace to all these kids. So I think it's like this for a number of reasons. One is that it's fun to read about somebody who is so remarkable Mm -hmm. and, and has persevered through a really crummy situation. She's been plunked down into this horrible family, but she's still a really good person. And all the students seem to be okay with her extraordinary intelligence and talent. So they accept her as she is, and I think that's pretty cool. And I just feel like in this book, school is the place where she feels like she most belongs. I mean, clearly there's something about this story that outlives, you know, 
right? It must be. A, there's something about it that's timeless. And hopefully it's not the jokey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I didn't even think of that. How did I not think of that one? Yeah, Victoria. Too busy <laughs> crushing chrysanthemum. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by a book that isn't even about you. (laughs) So I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the next book I'd like to recommend, especially as we are drawing close to the annual celebration of Banned Book Week, which is September 18th through the 24th. And the book in question is Speak by Lori Hulse Anderson. And I do want to put a trigger warning here for sexual assault, rape, and bullying. So if you are sensitive to this type of subject matter, Speak might not be the book for you, and that is totally okay. You can skip ahead about five minutes and we'll meet you there with some lighter book recommendations. So Speak was originally published in 1999, and since then it has won lots of honors and accolades, including the Golden Kite Award for Fiction, but it is also one of the top banned, challenged, and restricted books for its content surrounding sexual assault and rape. Speak is actually based on Anderson's own experience with being raped at 13, which she opens up about in her 2019 memoir, Shout!, And much in the same way that some people would like to ban speak and silence the survivors it was written for, the protagonist Melinda really has to fight through a barrage of people who would prefer she stay silent, including herself, as she struggles with severe depression and isolation following that traumatic event. And Melinda has some horrible people that she encounters in high school. She's starting as a freshman. And she had this traumatic event happen to her over the summer at a party, and she didn't know what to do, so she called the police, and they ended up busting this party. So she starts out high school with Mm. everyone hating her because they don't know that the reason she called the cops is because she was sexually assaulted. So she has to see this kid every day at school. And I love the way that Lori depicts that unnameable fear you don't want to think about it so she just calls him it she you know pushes it away and she doesn't acknowledge what happened she really has to work to find a way to express this thing that happened to her through her art through connecting to Maya Angelou's poetry and through finding a way to warn her former best friend who starts dating her attacker And what I love about this novel as well is that lots of survivors of sexual assault feel pressured by our current social climate to make a big announcement of their experience, which is important in terms of the larger conversation around sexual assault and rape. But what Anderson illuminates through Melinda's story is that while it is important for you to voice and acknowledge and deal with that trauma, it is ultimately your choice as to how and when and with whom you share that vulnerable piece of your story. Seeing the way that she views the world after this has happened to her is so eye-opening, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Lori Hall Sanderson went through this herself. So I'm sure that it's a bit of a blow for her to be still fighting to keep this book on the shelves, but it's so important to keep it accessible to the people that it was written for. 
I think that it being a banned book or a commonly challenged book really gets at one of the core issues of why people try to ban things is they feel like it's inappropriate, but it really helps you walk in someone else's shoes and have empathy for people who have experienced things that you haven't. And I understand that parents don't want their children to read things sometimes because they're darker than what they would like their children to know. But the truth is that bad things do happen to people. And if not your child, very likely someone that they encounter. And it can be really meaningful to have a little bit more understanding. Oh, and it was also adapted into a graphic novel that we have here at Odell. The illustrator Emily Carroll worked with Laurie Hall Sanderson on the graphic novel and it had been a couple years since I read the book when I read the graphic novel but from what I remember it follows the text super closely and the artwork is amazing. It does such a fantastic job of capturing the mood of the novel itself. I love what they did with this new adaptation. So I definitely recommend checking that one out too. And high school is so complicated in terms of like hierarchy. Oh my gosh. And figuring (laughs) out who you are. Having a traumatic event precursed all of those other things that are happening anyway is just an extra layer of trauma when you're already going through so much. So a hard book to read I'm sure a hard book to write but thankful for people who are brave enough to share their experiences I was going to share a back to school book that my children love to read and probably no adults do, but it's the (laughs) Captain Underpants series by Dave Pilkey. And, you know, as goofy as these books are, I absolutely love the author's backstory. So Dave Pilkey grew up, he was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. So he struggled hard in school. He was disruptive, so he ended up in the hallway a lot, and that's where he started drawing his comics. And actually, Captain Underpants is a version of those comics that he wrote while he was in trouble at school. That's amazing. And so the (laughs) Captain Underpants series features two boys, their fourth graders, George and Harold, And basically, it is them versus their very mean-spirited, grouchy, cantankerous principal. And the boys are always in trouble. They're pranking. They're daydreaming. They're making comics. So these stories are really good for reluctant readers. They move along really quickly. They are action-packed. They don't always stay in the school building. Sometimes there are robots. There are often toilets. Um... (laughs) So kids love these stories because they're funny. There's surprise, a lot of potty humor (laughs) in these books. But there's also a lot about friendship and 
they're just really silly, each their own adventure. This is by the same author that writes the Dogman series, the Cat Kid Comic Club. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his earlier things were Dumb Bunnies and Ricky Ricotta's Mighty Robot. So I love that this author was an underdog himself, really struggled, and he has turned that into like this empire of children's literature. He is a staple and I don't think he's going anywhere. So love him or hate him. He has done a fantastic job really channeling that childlike energy. So (laughs) I let my kids read them and they have a high level of like rereadability. So they stack them by their bed and I know they have read them many, many times over. So if you have a child who just isn't sure they like reading, but you know that they like goofy stuff, (laughs) Dave Pilkey is a sure shot. And in that same vein, a favorite of mine. And mine. Yes. So I remember this book from Mrs. Nybor's reading class. And there was an occasion where she had to leave our classroom. She trusted us because we were very mature sixth graders. And she let me read a chapter from Sideways Stories from Wayside School. And she had come back into the room, but we had all agreed beforehand that I would just keep reading. I wouldn't pause between chapters. And I'm sure she knew it in retrospect, but she (laughs) let me read like 50 pages. And we thought it was hilarious. Like the book was hilarious, but then we were also being extra <laughs> hilarious. We were like in your own wayside school. <laughs> oh, we were. So if you grew up in probably the 90s and 2000s, this book was a staple for a lot of us. It's called Sideways Stories from Wayside School. There are a couple other versions of this. It's written by Lewis Sacker. And Wayside School was an accident. It was supposed to be a one-story building with 30 different classrooms, and it got built the wrong way. So it is a 30-story building with one classroom on each floor, only there's no 13th floor, and the elevator only worked perfectly once because it goes up to the top, and that's it. (laughs) Okay, before I get into the story, the man who wrote this, I just found out, got his degree in economics, didn't really love it, worked at a sweater factory, got fired, went to law school, practiced law on the side, and then wrote these books in like his free time. So this is also the author who wrote Holes. Such a good book. We've got that one at the library too. Check it out. So Sideways Stories from Wayside School. I love this book for a number of reasons. I think you can read it when you're in early elementary, but you really get a lot more of the humor if you read it when you're later elementary and into junior high. (laughs) So it's kind of set in an alternate universe where everything is just a little bit goofy and backwards. The first teacher you meet is Mrs. Gorf, and Mrs. Gorf is kind of like a troll a little bit of a gremlin teacher and throughout the first chapter she starts turning each of the students into apples and it's for the smallest infraction and so you have this room full of apples and you only have a few lone student survivors and 
classically, they hold up a mirror at the right instant and they turn Mrs. Gorf into an apple. And that would be enough of a story for most authors. (laughs) But just an extra layer of weird on top. The janitor comes into the room, says, oh, look, an apple. And he eats it. So you have this janitor nonchalantly entering the room and eating the teacher. And then the book just goes on as if nothing happened. They get a new teacher. Her name is Mrs. Jewell. And she is kind of a Miss Honey character where she is the sweetest, best teacher. Although I will say maybe not the brightest. The first day of class, she feels like her class must be monkeys. And she doesn't know why, and the kids don't know why, but she treats them all as monkeys. And it just gets weirder from there. So there are about 30 chapters in the story, and they spend a chapter telling us about each of these super weird kids. There's a girl named BB Gun, who's the fastest draw in class because (laughs) she draws hundreds of pictures every art class. I like that story a lot, and it's one I remember from reading it because she and her friend Calvin like crank out this system where he hands her the paper, she draws it, and they see how many they can accomplish (laughs) in one short burst of time. And they master it, right? But then the teacher says, you know, these aren't very good. (laughs) And maybe if you spend a little more time on one, you could do one good drawing and it would be worth more than these 300 drawings you've done and it was kind of like a little life lesson because I am a very slow artist (laughs) I I really have to think about things and it was nice it was a a kind of reaffirming to hear that even in a ridiculous format of a book where I just thought you know what she's right so there's like just enough truth in these ridiculous stories <laughs> to put yourself in there. I went on a Reddit <laughs> page <laughs> and there was one that I had forgotten where they get a new student and the student is dressed in like layers and layers of coats and they really smell and they're just yeah. nasty and rude. So Miss Jewel finally convinces them to take off the jackets. And by the time they get to the end, it's not a student at all. It's a dead rat. And the (laughs) comment is made that these dead rats keep trying to get in the classroom, that it's the fourth one this year. And I was like, again, rereading children's books as an adult is a trip. Like, I thought this was the funniest (laughs) craziest story that I had ever read. I think the reason people love these stories is, A, they're short. You can bounce around and read them. They're all about different kids. They don't always make a lot of sense, which is kind of why they're funny. It's so over the top. It reads like it's just a normal day. Yeah. So again, Lewis Sacker is another gem of a, an author. We can talk about this one together because you've also read okay. all of them. It's okay. the Heart, it's heart Stopper. The Graphic Novels by Alice Oseman, queen of wholesome, delightful, healthy relationships. Oh. And it reads so simply, but there's so much packed in there. It's so, yeah. It's, it's one of those where you can fly through it, but you'll be thinking about it for a while. Yeah. And one where you finish a book and you're ready, 
right then for the next one. Yes. And then you have to wait two weeks because it's all checked out at the library. (laughs) The wait list on these books this year was insane because the Netflix show came out, which is also excellent. Which is also excellent. Yeah. I was. Adaptation. Yeah. It's another one that get comfortable because it's easy to binge. Oh, yeah. So the main focus is these two boys who go to a British all boys grammar school. You had me at all boys British grammar school. Right? It's just. It's a lovely setting. Who doesn't want to read that? And they're they're all uniformed. And it's just. Doesn't British school always seem better than American school? It does. (laughs) (laughs) I have British friends who may disagree. They're Mm. fascinated by American school. Which uh, is hilarious to me. Right. But we always are curious about things that are, that are different, different than what right. we grew up with. Right. Uh, the characters are just so cute and interesting and well-rounded. Charlie's someone that I really relate to. <laughs> He's very anxious, overthinking, super interested in music and... He has such a great sense of humor, and his friends are like, I recognize my friends in them, you know. And uh, he is, I almost said sat next to, that's such a British way of saying (laughs) (laughs) He gets put next to this guy who's in the year above him for their, like, homeroom. They don't call it homeroom, but... So they're sat next to each other in homeroom. And Nick is sort of someone that his friends think... I don't know about this guy. He's like pretty different from you. We don't want Charlie to go through what he went through the year before. He goes through some pretty bad bullying because he's outed at school for being gay. So he's a little bit hesitant to interact with Nick. At first I thought he was like our quintessential all-American boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All-American British boy. <laughs> All-American British boy. <laughs> But as you read, you find out there's a little more to it. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the dichotomy they set you up with is this kind of awkward, outed gay kid who has gone through so much and had so much trauma. And they put him directly across from this handsome, athletic, but also pretty smart and kind person and you get to watch how that relationship evolves. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love both of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they are both really lovable characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always a nice feeling. There are obviously some characters in here that you horrible, yeah. have different feelings <laughs> about. I, I mean, there may be a too many happy endings like maybe it's too too happy but like ideally that is how I would like things to work out and I thought Nick's character was really well done because Nick is not sure where he stands Mm -hmm. with Charlie and they see each other at school a lot he recognizes that he has some feelings but he's not sure what they are and he's never really stopped to think about what those could be and He's really forced outside of his comfort zone. He has to consider 
how his friends will react, and he really struggles with that. And I don't think that's too far off from someone who is actively discovering who they are and how their relationships will be shaped as an adult. So they're in that really tricky time where you're not a child anymore, but you're not confident in your adulthood. You're Mm -hmm. right in the middle, and everything feels maybe just a little bit scary. And he comes to a scary realization that, hmm, he might like boys and girls and has to work through that. And I I love the way that this author works through that. Oh my gosh, she does an amazing job. This character is so important during the craze when the show dropped. So many people were like, oh my gosh, I can finally see myself and who I am as a person instead of just stereotypes that people put on me for being a certain way that they don't understand. And just the amount of joy that comes from reading these books when lots of LGBTQ fiction is riddled with trauma and things that you have to obviously acknowledge, but it's also like sometimes you just need an escape to a world where some of that isn't necessarily the case. There's still a lot of trauma that isn't super present, but it's always kind of there in the background, things that they're worried about and dealing with together. And it's there, but it's not the forefront. The forefront is, oh my gosh, there's joy to be found in being who you are and figuring out how to love yourself for that. And I I just want to mention that it's the second time you've brought it up where you have moments where you read books and you feel like I can see myself in the characters and we talked a little bit about Banned Books Week and what that means and especially in the last few years many 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 of the books that are being banned in communities and in schools are being banned because of LGBTQ content and people who think it's inappropriate or obscene or for any other reason. And Heartstopper, I feel like it's just one of those books that if you're not sure what a relationship would look like or you can't imagine, you have a look into someone's life and maybe it will give you a chance to reevaluate what's happening with other people and I think most of the reasons that books are banned is because it's it's either a fearful topic or a, a topic that you're uncomfortable with but the more you read and realize that hey these relationships it doesn't really matter who is experiencing the relationships they're people first and you see the people in this story so clearly and I don't see how you could read this book and not be rooting for our main (laughs) characters so I have been really impressed with the literature that's come out just Mm -hmm. maybe in the last five years that is so representative of so many more people and I try to make a conscious effort to be aware of who the characters are in the story, like who is being represented, because I can find a million stories about white heterosexual women (laughs) in relationships. And I've read those texts, but it's really exciting to have literature that's accessible 
to people who aren't that. Um, and how exciting for them to be able to pick up a book and see themselves in it, whether it's their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or their socioeconomic status having those different points of view and stories is so important so when you pick up a banned book list and see that some of these books that we're talking about are on there I would just encourage you to read a few and see if that changes your mind and it might not but just to have that little voice in the back of your head saying why are they picking on on this particular genre or this particular storyline And as always, it's time for another V's Verses, where I take you through some of my favorite poems about our topic of choice. So I have some poems about school to share with you, and then I will read one of my own poems. I recently read a poem about school that I wrote for my sixth grade reading teacher, Mrs. Nybor. Shout out, Melissa. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and I actually recently wrote another poem for a special teacher in my life. So I will be sharing that in just a moment. But some of my favorite poems about school are actually ones that were curated by the Poetry Foundation website. They have lots of good poems about teaching and teachers that I have had so much fun checking out. So that link will be in the description of this podcast. So some of my favorites from that list are Theme for English B by Langston Hughes. Of course, the classic, we love him, incredibly poignant, very thought-provoking. And then another one that takes on sort of a meta analysis is Workshop by Billy Collins. And any writer who has taken a writing class should definitely read this poem because it is so indicative of so many of the experiences that I had in college. <laughs> it's amazing. And then some lighter, funnier ones about school. Napoleon by Miroslav Halep, December Substitute by Ken Nesbitt, and School by Daniel J. Langton. So the poem I'll be reading from my own portfolio is called Dr. W. Lights the Way. And it is one that I wrote for one of my favorite English professors in college, Dr. Joel Westerholm, as he retired recently. So I'll share that with you, and hopefully it'll remind you of a special teacher in your life that you would like to thank. Dr. W. Lights the Way by Victoria Horn it's impossible to believe that NWC will remain standing without you there to hold it up. My quest for higher education and a new season of life began and ended with you. My metamorphosis from terrified 18 to confident 23, so entwined with your teaching, your mentorship, your singular talent for instilling faith in my own quiet voice. When I look back on that first formative year, I think of snow crunching underfoot across campus, the warmth in your voice as you welcomed me into the old nursing building, 
and led our travels to India and Africa and the Caribbean with writers who widened my small town world and opened my eyes to the breadth of humanity. Sophomore year broke me, sent me running back to Illinois for a time, but you were there through it all, advising me to fit my jagged pieces into a kinder narrative. The perfect four-year college experience transformed into a five-year haven where I had space to breathe, to take life as it came. Talking with you then, and every moment after, I felt unburdened, invited to a communion that would define my approach to everything in life, a compassionate curiosity, a constant reaching out, a giving that always came away with more than I dared hope for. Those final two years are a blur defined by many saturated phenomena. Hush of collective tears as we all listened to Nadia Boltz Weber speak love at the Festival of Faith and Writing. Evenings enjoying lively conversation and a mountain of your molasses cookies with a fellowship of Tolkien fans. Nights spent jamming out at Town Square Coffee House with your usual suspects. Afternoons in Kep Hall drinking your strong coffee that emboldened me to walk with you through thickets of Marion and Deruda. Senior seminar dinners with you and Kim, surprised by your joy in welcoming us into your home. Meeting across the pond beside the lions in Trafalgar Square I left all these moments the same way I did that first advisory meeting, feeling kindred, cared for, called, to carry your light back and share it with the world. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining me on this episode. Working with you at Odell has given me the space to delve into the world of children's lit again after so many years, and I am so grateful for the creative energy and inspiration I've gleaned from discovering the amazing books you populate our children's shelves with. And thank you, our amazing listeners, as always, for supporting Odell through this podcast. If you have questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. And until next time, we hope you've enjoyed your time. Between the Stacks. This episode of Between the Stacks was produced by Victoria Horn and written in collaboration with Katie Ryder. Special thanks to Miss Katie, the Odell Public Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. A hearty cheers to all of our lovely patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can have enough loopers from this for like (laughs) an entire episode. It's happening. You don't have to do that. Okay. It's happening. <laughs> Is that cool? Okay. That's cool. That might be a spoiler. Some weird energy. Why did I say that? Yes, Carl. Yeah. Are you okay? Yes. I did not know about that. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. <laughs>
I'm just gonna, you're gonna edit that out. Yeah. Okay. Why do I always start with and, and another? <laughs> Shoot, I was trying not to do it. We asked that a caregiver, care, a caregiver. Keep your breath away. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm ready. Victoria. <laughs> Rocking in my school show. Oh, shout shows. out to Shows. Shows. It was my knuckle oh, okay. cracking. <laughs> Sorry. Just my face saying something. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I love it. You can just put that in like a low growl. I don't even know where to start with this book. <laughs> you don't want to read it in front of me? Is that what you're saying? Sometimes I edit mid-sentence <laughs> and you will never even know. Oh, he's just <laughs> fantastic. Just fantastic. Yes. Way to fight back. <laughs> Catch all for anything that's right. That's, Must uh, have been Anna Dudney. <laughs> and now for something completely different. Uh, boy. <laughs> you're like, you're like 15. Oh, I am amazing. like 12. How can you lose, really? Even though you are super weird. <laughs> so cute. I might have to buy it for myself. <laughs> Where you want to go? Nice. I met people like that, yeah. and. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't understand why someone would want to attack people who are just trying to read books. The secretary, who was like 75, was like, you should read this. My grandkids like it. I kind of know what's going on here. Help me. <laughs> I feel like if I knew her when I was her age, I would have her. Superb. <laughs> They're so sensitive. I know. Great deal. <laughs> Lots of pigeon fans here. Where's the applause button? She had five fingers on each hand and five fingers on each. Wait, five toes on each. <laughs> Victoria Horn, healthy and happy. She gets the girl. She gets the girl. Okay, do you want me to say anything else? There is so much breathing. I feel like I'm breathing all the time. Because you've done enough of that. <laughs> Cooler than cool. Cool, cool. Is that a real word? I was just nodding my head emphatically through all of that. I went on a Reddit. <laughs> page <laughs> oh, <no>. your, <laughs> your your heart your feelings i don't think i okay. have anything else to add okay uh -uh. that's <laughs> so lying. crazy like so weird maybe i don't want to go there actually i don't think i do want to draw that that's a big stretch <laughs> <laughs> always a winner so they saved the head of the dog and the body of the man oh my gosh. that is how you get dog man <laughs> I believe it's 1030. <laughs> <laughs> I should have oh known. So perfect. I mean, I can't even. <laughs> you can't see it. If you're listening person who did it, you've Feel got some bad. very angry librarians. Kathy doesn't like you. She doesn't know you, but she still doesn't like you. <laughs> well, I'm going to go play with my shelves. We've been recording for a long time. We have been recording. This is, this is a long time. I was like, oh no. It was so bizarre. I mean, who doesn't want that? Like... <laughs> Come on. I don't want you to see what I wrote. Okay, so should we talk about the book? <laughs> oh, I guess so. I knew we were going to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We all knew. It's going to haunt, haunt my dreams. <laughs> Do you want me to say it in a less creepy way? No. Okay. That was perfect. <laughs> I think we might have gotten a little off track. 